Hey there, welcome to the Church Digital Podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm glad you've decided to join us for episode 20. This is episode 20, and we are excited about it. We've got a great episode for you. We're going out to Austin Ridge Bible Church in Austin, Texas. Now, disclaimer, I used to work for Austin Ridge. I was their communications director, and I loved my time at that church. And even from afar now, seeing what that church is doing and how they're growing people is awesome. And so I love seeing it from a distance. But we wanted to have a detailed conversation with their discipleship pastor and actually one of their worship leaders. His name's Jeff Moore. Now, if the first thing that jumped into your head is songs like Good Old Ranger and Tano, Laurel and Hardy, Batman and Robin and Snoopy and Charlie, I got to disappoint you. It's not that Jeff Moore. I know I'm disappointed as well. I've always wanted that friendship and that relationship because you know we all need friends like you but at the end of the day it's a different Jeff Moore if you got no idea what I'm talking about about Jeff Moore and Laurel and Hardy google it Jeff Moore 1990s CCM Christian contemporary music and to prepare to be enlightened and or disappointed but we want to talk about discipleship in context of church online and, and even the church now Austin Ridge Bible Church doesn't have a strong church online. Uh, they do broadcast their services on Facebook each week. Uh, but when it comes to creating biblical community, when it comes to discipleship, when it comes to fostering those online relationships, honestly, they, they really just haven't gone in that direction. Not saying that's good, not saying that's bad. It's just the direction the church has chosen. And, and so as a result of that, I don't necessarily want to have this conversation with Jeff talking about how to do church online discipleship but even just as a general rule, how to do discipleship in your church. And so that may be two different things, but one needs to be grounded in the other. And so what I do know about Austin Ridge is they are a very, like many of you, they are a very busy event-driven church. They do lots of things with women's ministry, with men's ministry, uh, for parenting, for life groups. There, there's always something going. As a communications director, I can tell you. There is always something going on in the life of Austin Ridge, but they've managed to make D groups. They've managed to make discipleship groups. They've managed to make discipleship stand out in context of, of those things. And, and even now we're pushing towards a, a larger churchwide campaign, driving people towards a deeper discipleship understanding. So how does that tension work in the midst of everything else? What's the strategy that funnels people towards discipleship? Uh, we may not have all the answers, but you know what I do know and love about Austin Ridge is they're willing to experiment and try it out. And, and so we've had conversations about discipleship recently. Episode 19, we talked to Jared Kirkwood uh, from Mariner's Church and also over the, the Rooted Material, which is a nine to 10 week study on, on creating a, a disciple. Austin Ridge took a different approach where they actually wrote personally within the church a 350 page book that's tied to the mission and vision of their church. By the way, if you want a copy of that, we've got a couple chapters of it available online. Check out the show notes where you can download and see some of what that material looks like. So Austin Rich spent some intentionality. Um, why? What did that look like? Jeff Moore, what lessons did you learn from this process? It's questions like this and more that I really want to unpack here as I bring to the table Rady Armis, co-host and, of course, online pastor, at Christ Fellowship Miami, bring Jeff Moore, discipleship pastor from Austin Ridge Bible Church, and myself, Jeff Reed, uh, the church digital, uh, in a conversation focusing on the strategies of discipleship groups. Hey, everybody, here you go. I'm, a, I'm the odd duck. Well, it's funny, the first week that JD and I, in fact, the first meeting I think JD and I had one-on-one, -on -one, uh -huh. I didn't remember what we were talking about, but he said something to the effect of, you're the first worship leader I've ever actually understood what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see that. This is true. <laughs> um, better is that a logical perspective or just in general? Like, what are we, what are we saying here? No, it was, you know, it was, um, um, I mean, how do I say this? The lack of diva-ness. I mean, in, in grand scheme of things, like he was very grounded. You mean Jeff did go for the gravitas voice where he starts speaking really airy and in weird pauses? I don't know how to do that. <laughs> well... I mean, they, they told me for, for weeks, hey, we're interviewing Jeff Moore to come in and, and lead worship. So you thought uh, like Jeff Moore in the distance? or what, what were you Dude, thinking? I was totally excited for me some home run or a friend yeah, like man. you. 
And then this bearded, bald guy shows up, and I'm like, it's amazing what Photoshop can do in Oh, wait, no, that's not you. Dang it. Oh, man. Like, I even had, like, uh, albums ready to get autographed, but no, no oh, such luck. And oh. instead, it was, like, a theologically grounded guy coming into lead worship. It was just, it was such a disappointment. No, I'm kidding. Good God, CCM has failed us again. <laughs> the operative word for sure. <laughs> so does that still happen? I mean, seriously, like, like, do, do people? Uh, and I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was literally like somebody having lunch with me, and they were kind of in their own mind convinced that I was that guy, and I just like time had got the best of me, kind of. <laughs> right. Now, Jeff, in all honesty, and I don't mean this in any bad way or form, it's just such a niche genre. Did you know who Jeff Moore and the distance were before folks started calling you that? Or like, what happened? No, I'm, I'll be 47 in September. So I definitely knew who Jeff Moore was. So I traveled, toured, did that whole thing for about six years. Okay, I, cool. I actually went under my middle name, Jeff Wade, because that was like 95 to 2000. And yeah. that's Jeff Moore and the distance were in their heyday, man. Right. That's when he was co-writing with Stephen Curtis and all that stuff. So we actually did a couple of camps together. Where cool. I was the worship leader and he was the concert artist they brought in. His real name is Jeff Fenwick. Huh. Yeah. Jeff Moore is not his real name. And uh, so I actually asked him, I was like, dude, of all the names you could choose from, Jeff Moore was the sexiest thing for CCM radio you could come up with. You know? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> exactly. Identity theft. <laughs> exactly. Man. Nobody ever thinks about like the people who were born with those names, right? They're all, oh yeah, yeah, Jeff Moore would be great. Jeff Moore, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Nice guy, but uh, yeah. <laughs> how, how does Austin Ridge define discipleship? Discipleship is, and I kind of borrow this from a guy named Daniel M. You read his book, No Silver Bullets? Fantastic book. You haven't read it yet. Um, he defines it as, you know, it's that, it's that lifelong trajectory direction towards Jesus is what a disciple is somebody that's on that journey uh, so when we're making disciples we're helping people make that next step in that journey so it's not something that you arrive at uh, that's why we like to refer to it as disciple making instead of discipleship because discipleship seems to just because it's a term that we're so familiar with it's a it's it, it's something that you've done or something that you do something you complete versus disciple making is just that ongoing progress where you're bringing others with you as you are moving towards Christ. That's awesome. So for, for you, and I like this idea of the, of the long term. Uh, and so it's, it's an interesting, the, the switch between like a discipleship and disciple making. Our, uh, contextually, the word discipleship's lost a lot of its value in that you probably get 10 people in a room together and ask them what discipleship is. You'll get 15 answers back, just the, the, the varying levels of that. But it's, it's very clear in context of disciple making. Now, a lot of people, and we had uh, episode 19, the last episode, we had uh, Jared, uh, Jared Kirkwood on, and he's with uh, Rooted Material, which okay. is out of Mariner's Church. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's a really great content. Okay. Yeah, I was uh, um, really enjoyed digging into that. But, you know, and he, and he defined discipleship, and, and there's many different ways, and I, I agree with that, but it was disciples are people who make disciples and so there's like a, a repetitive process for that a disciple someone who's capable of making other disciples um with with austin ridge what does that what does that look like i think the reality is that everybody's making disciples whether they realize it or not so it's if you're gonna if you're gonna be doing it anyway you might as well do it well so hmm. we've created that curriculum uh to help people you know what i mean to help yeah. people uh start because what we find is i think most people whether they I don't think most people want to be disobedient on purpose. Hmm. So I think if scripture tells us that we're to go and make disciples, you know, teaching them all I command you, baptizing them, you know, so on and so forth. I think most people, once they realize that, or they want to do it. Now, whether or not they have the, the courage to step out, just personality wise, whether it's insecurity, uh, whatever it is, they want to be obedient. So if we can help them be obedient uh, by giving them kind of a toolkit that they can work with, uh, that at least will help some people get started in that process. So we created that curriculum or a handbook is kind of what we call it instead of curriculum because that's got a connotation to it, obviously. But, um, you know, what we encourage them to do, hey, you, know, you take, you know, three to five other people through this handbook over the next nine to 12 months. And when you're done, they will have been equipped to do what you just did with them. So there is no pressure for you to be great at it. You were 
you were one among equals, right? You know, you're all trying to pursue move towards Jesus. You're not supposed to be an expert teacher, uh, an expert anything. You're supposed to be a disciple. You're supposed to be someone who loves Jesus, wants to see other people love Jesus and understand Jesus and then live for Jesus. So if you can do that, if you're willing to, to risk doing that, here's a toolkit. Now, the next time you take somebody through this, you know, shape it a little bit, you know, what I mean? So if they haven't done it before, like here's some guardrails and the, you know, each subsequent time kind of make it your own work. Over time, this is just one tool among many that you have. So that's one way we do it. Uh, I think, you know, through the teaching on Sunday morning, I think is a way we do it. Um, I think one of the things we're doing now, uh, we started this whole equip, you know, category of things around here. There, uh, you've seen the roundtable uh, videos online. So we have this equipped department now. Where we're offering two-week classes on knowing Jesus, on how to study the Bible, on how to share your faith, uh, rolling out some other class environments on science, on uh, apologetics, on some other aspects of studying God's Word, things like that. So we're trying to provide some things that are uh, very unstructured uh, with some with some tools to use in the unstructured environment, but more decentralized. So it'd be like a D group. Uh, these classes, obviously more centralized, master teacher oriented. Um, so we're trying to stay away from saying, you know, one is better than the other, but here are various options to take advantage of as you grow as a disciple and make other disciples. So that was a really long answer to like a one sentence question, but it's kind of somewhere in all that is kind of what we're doing right now. Sure. Well, and the one thing I know, just even from, from working at, at Austin Ridge, is, is you guys, uh, you have a lot of, of uh, let's call them discipleship options. That not, they not, you have a lot of grow options. Let me use your language uh, yeah, okay. available with that. So you've got, you know, you've got the men's ministry, you've got women's ministry, you've got small groups. Discipleship was, was kind of, a, of, a, of an outshoot of that. Um, what, what, is the, what is the relationship as because what I see now from the outside is discipleship has seemed to have gotten more, I'm using the word structured, not as, uh, has gotten more value and, and importance maybe over, over the past several years. Um, so like, how is that tension of, okay, do I need to be in a, a men's ministry and discipleship or discipleship? What, what's, how does, how does somebody who is in your church, how do they navigate that to, to find the right place? One of the things that we're learning right now is honestly how to do that. So the D groups ministry, which is what I'm overseeing with this handbook and everything, we're really just going public with that for the first time, you know, i.e. lead pastor Brad talking about it, uh, things like that. We've had, you know, 50 plus groups going with that without people really even knowing about it. Really? Uh, wow. Yeah. So it's kind of like, let's, prepare for whatever might happen once it really goes public. So with that, now we've got kind of four buckets. We've got D groups, we've got life groups, we've got men's and women's and discipleship, disciple making, equipping, all those things kind of run through all those environments. But what makes each distinctive is obviously men's and women's are very gender specific, but they're going to be more kind of step one for a lot of people. Uh, you know, it's going to be something that's kind of given to you. You're kind of going to feed your own soul to build some relationships, uh, kind of in that order. Life groups going to be more build relationships, feed your own soul, right? And then in, in the D groups, we're, we're giving you the tools to train up others so that they can train up others. So they kind of all have uh, the same things, but just in different orders of priority. That right. Matters. I know it's difficult to gauge, but are folks who are who are looking at D groups, are they looking at as, hey, I'm being trained to be sent out, or are they looking at it from the sense of, hey, let me get, let me kind of engorge as a Christian and let me gain more knowledge and that kind of thing? It's messaged over and over and over again that you're being equipped to equip. Now, what they hear and how they process that over nine to 12 months, obviously, a lot of people are just going to do what they want to with it, and they're going to go through one more Bible study is what it's going to turn into for them, and uh, that next step may not be equipping other people. So we kind of have to just, you know, trust the spirits at work in that over the, a really long process and not that 12 month process that we would like to, to grade, you know, uh, in, in our database. Um, but, uh, you know, one thing we have seen is a lot of people, and we, we do this on purpose, even with the people that have been in it so far is this is something that you can do alongside what you're already doing. Like this should not pull you out of serving being in a community you're already in, like for you to 
to be disciple, to make disciples. It's going to make you better at what you're already doing. So don't stop doing that. Uh, right. You're going to have to you know, maybe take it on the chin a little bit and do a little more in the next nine to 12 months. Uh, but this will make you better, more effective, more grounded, more able to do the things that you're already doing. Do you guys, do you guys promote that to the church at large? Or is this for like folks that you're like, you're eyeballing and you're like, this is the right kind of person that we're looking at for this. Up until now, it's been more the eyeballing, uh, and really like me working through our men's and women's, uh, leaders to, to find the right people. Uh, one, not only to lead, but two, to actually be in the groups, like who are the best candidates for this kind of thing. Uh, starting though, really, I guess this next month, it'll be promoted alongside all our other environments. So we'll see if that waters it down and makes it better or worse. Uh, if it makes it harder or easier, I, I just don't know right now. Uh, even with 50-ish groups across three campuses, you know, you can see that out of that, probably half of those are really like at the point of the spear that we want them to be. The rest of them are constantly trying to bring them back. You know, so if you, you know, triple that to 150, I would, you're probably still seeing about a third that are sure. really on point and focused and you're having to constantly bring those others back. But, uh, you know, the worst thing that's going to happen is somebody's going to be equipped with some basic theological understanding, you know, basic, you know, tools of how to study the Bible on their own and some basic, hopefully outlooks of how to better live for, for Christ and understand who they are in him. If that's the worst that happens. No, it's, it's not a terrible thing. An acceptable loss, you know. Yeah, for real. Is it tough to resist the temptation to take a new believer through this? Because obviously they're like the most excited about their faith. They're the most like on fire. Perfect candidate for this. I that's think cool. a new believer, uh, I think that's one step too few. Sure. And of course, a lot of people, they're just naturally bent towards evangelism. Like, oh, I'd love to take my unsaved neighbor through this. I'm like, mm -hmm. if they're willing to sign up for this commitment, man, Godspeed. But there's no way they're going to finish this thing because it's just going to be so much uh, unfamiliar territory for them. But I think a new believer that uh, is unformed spiritually, you know, they're still in that spiritual mm -hmm. formation process. I think that's perfect uh, because what you find is uh, the people that honestly have the hardest time staying on track with something like the whole D group experience is somebody who's been through, you know, 15 different women's studies or men's studies or life group studies and their natural gravitational pulls back to what they've already done. So you've got to constantly retrain them of, you know, this is different. This is good. Use what you've learned, but don't try to make this that. Right. See, that's the challenge that I've seen uh, is so for instance, my dad is a teacher at Bible study fellowship. I'm sure they got some of that where you're at. And so, you know, almost, I, I would almost rather, send a new believer from our church to undergo something like that, where it's like, no, you're going to be in the word and, and you're going to be accountable for like what you're learning there. And there's going to be, yeah, there's going to be some homework, but there's going to be a lot of challenge. And as opposed to, Hey, let's fix you into a group where it's going to be, and, and this isn't to mean to demean anything. Cause I, I run my small group based off of video, video based curriculum or anything like that, where it's going to be more consumption as opposed to more challenge. Yeah. And, and it's going to help the believer over the longer haul of their life, you know, like we're equipping them to go do the things that Jesus called them to do, not just to absorb content. Right. Yeah. The biggest, well, I'll say one of the biggest tweaks we've made to this handbook is taking a lot of questions at the end of the chapter out of it. And the goal of the group time when they meet each week is that each person in the group is supposed to bring observations and questions they have to the table. Hmm. So Week one, the, the job of each person in the group is to bring themselves to the to it, you know, uh, versus, uh, okay, question one is X. Well, that's what every group does. We have plenty of environments that go through question one is X. But, you know, hey, Steve, what are you thinking about? Like, what did this draw out in you? What didn't you understand? Um, you know, just those kind of things to where it's more, it's more heartfelt. And now the, the call for the leader then is to really be light on their feet. You know, they got to be able to kind of go to their left a lot, so to speak, in that, but, you know, to really let the group drive the conversation so that they learn how to articulate uh, not only what they're learning, what they don't understand. That's as right. big a part of being a disciple as anything is being able to just honestly say, I don't know, I don't understand this. Can you help me? You know, and so if we can equip people to just be more comfortable doing that, that's a huge win, I think. Hmm. As, as a communications director, when I was at Austin Ridge, I, I struggled, um, with this D group mentality because it was, and, and, and I've, I'm going to confess right here. I've, I've had a brain shift and, and I understand it probably better than I did when I was there. Um, but what I struggled with is actually the same things that I see a lot of other churches struggle with is, okay, so this is another thing. Do we want somebody to be in a D group? 
animants or slash slash small group like is this another thing that we want of them a week or if i had to choose between a men's women's small group or a d group like what what's the why would i choose or what is the option that i should choose there when you talk with people who have that that tension who feel that like what's your response to something like that biggest thing i try to do is really spell out what each environment offers kind of like i was saying a while ago and then just give them the freedom to choose what they want to do. I mean, at the end of the day, it's up to them to own their faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually got an event coming up uh, in August, Own Your Faith. It's, it, it's an equip event. We'll have hundreds of people there. And the, at the end of the night, their assignment before the night's over is to spell out the next three months, six months, 12 months. What are your steps um, that you're going to take in your faith? Whether that's, uh, and we're, we've, we've kind of created a tool for them to assess where, where they are, like where their, where their weakest point is right now, based on our core values. Um, and, you know, is that something that you really want to see change in the next 12 months? Okay. Well, the next three months, here are your options. Six months, here are your options. 12 months. Now pick one. Mm-hmm. There's grace. There's plenty of freedom there. You know, this is a long, this is a long road mindset that we're trying to take here. You know, we're, you're not going to fix yourself in the next 12 months, but what's something you can grow in, you know? Uh, you're still human, but you're still made in the image of God and you're filled with Christ's spirit and in Christ, you are being sanctified and all these things. So what is that sanctification process? How can we come alongside you as a church in the next three months, six months, 12 months? Uh, but you got to do it. We can't do it for you. So that's good. Trying to take a step back to answer your, I think answer your question is, you know, if a men's group does that for you best, uh, man, get after it now, get after it. You know, but if it's a D group or a life group, or if it's a, um, you know, maybe you're in all these things already and you, you're not serving anywhere. You don't know how to share your faith. You know what? Take this two week class on how to share your faith in a conversation setting. Do that. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're serving in a men's group, but you're still scared to share your faith. You got to call time out here and let's, let's talk about that. You know what I mean? So it's not a, yeah. it, it isn't a priority necessarily. It's like, it's all these things, you know, it's mm-hmm. the, um, yeah, and that's what makes it fun, I think. And the more we can uh, help people understand what we offer them, why we offer it to them, and that there's freedom for them to choose among those things and then just get after it. Uh, we, you know, we, we hope that more and more people will, will take us up on that. So. Okay, so let me, let me ask this, because you've, what, you, what you've got is a 350-page book for nine to 12 months. Yep. Like, that's, that's, a, that's a huge commitment. Um, a lot of the other curriculums that, that I've looked at, you know, um, we last week or recently we talked with um, Rooted and Rooted's like a 10 week thing. Okay. Uh, I've got experience with Timothy Initiative, um, uh, David Nelms. It's roughly a 10 to, I think it's a 16 week, but we would chop it in half and do it in, do it in eight weeks. Yeah. That's a huge commitment time-wise uh, of mm-hmm. nine to 12 months. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing there was intentionality on making it that long. Why did you choose to be a little more aggressive on the time to, to stretch it out that big. Sure. Well, I mean, you could almost break it up into four studies, you know, cause we, we built it around our model of a disciple, which is a lifelong learner and follower of Jesus who knows who God is at section one, knows what Christ is in section two, knows who they are in Christ section three, and then knows how to live for Christ section four. So if you look at it that way, it kind of is for 10 week, you know, series kind of thing. Um, but, you know, we tried to build it to where, we kind of took the approach of, and I say we, this was a large group of people going back about four years when all this started. So I didn't do this single-handedly by any stretch. I have some, I have some fingerprints on it. Uh, but me, TJ Morelli, a few other guys on staff uh, started working on this concept about four years ago and basically just decided, okay, what are some theological tenets that we want a disciple who comes out of Austin Ridge uh, to, to know? You know, we want to be able to as is, is, is best as we can understand, you know, what the Trinity is, what God's character attributes are, how God's revealed himself, you know, those types of things, but then connect that back to real life. You know, why do these things matter? Where do they matter? When do they matter? And how do I articulate that stuff? Uh, moving on from that, you know, what Christ has done, really understanding sin, really understanding faith, really understanding these things that we kind of take for granted, but really being able to articulate that stuff and find it in scripture and be able to walk through passages on their own for that, you know, who we are in Christ, the fact that we are forgiven, the fact that we are just, you know, we are justified, sanctified, we will be glorified, those types of things. Where does that show up in scripture? How do I study that for myself? And then based on all that, 
you know, if you go through all this stuff and you don't have a desire to live differently for Jesus, then you should start over. So assuming that once you get through those three sections, you just have something that you feel like you've got to do now. Okay, let's end with how we live for Christ. And then looking that, you know, that actually starts with abiding. Uh, that looks at the example he gave us uh, that moves on into the Great Commission and unpacking that in many different ways, um, that sort of thing. So we decided instead of kind of, and even doing that, I mean, now they're 12 months, you're still skimming the surface of a lot of that stuff. You're not mm-hmm. doing a dive on the Trinity in a week. You know what I mean? You might be right. going further than they've typically gone, but I had a seminary prof tell me, it's like, well, since we can't spend six months on this, the next 20 minutes will be fine. You know, so we kind of had to take that approach. Like you can't cover any of this stuff exhaustively, but you can hopefully do it enough to at least give some language, give some terms, give some connected tissue from uh, teaching to being able to find it in the word for yourself to being able to teach somebody else how to find it in the word and then teach somebody else, that sort of thing. Uh, You know, and all along the way also developing spiritual disciplines. So daily time in prayer specifically for uh, lost people you, you regularly encounter looking for opportunities to have spiritual conversations, you know, praying for a specific missionary or country and then praying for workers for the harvest. So we call what we call the missional big three here. Um, you know, so when you talk, when, so that's when you start looking at trying to develop habits and spiritual disciplines that takes longer than 10 weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. So then the job of the leader is, you know, you start every group meeting with, okay, guys, you've been in the word daily for yourselves. What are you learning? What, do, what did you see? Have you been praying the mission of big three? Okay. Before we go any further, let's do that together. Who are we praying for? You know, who have you had spiritual conversations with, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's why we decided to make the, all that as much as we could structure it happen for somebody over nine to 12 months. You got some groups that want to spend four weeks on the Trinity. I discourage them from doing that, but grown adults are going to do what grown adults are going to do. If they want to do that, that's fine. But you're going to be in this thing for like two years. That's a long time. Yeah. Uh, and um, so another thing we did too, I mean, JD, I'm talking a long time, sorry, but uh, you know, Brad's led these groups for 20 years and his typically go 12 to 15 months. And, uh, and so that, that was another thing. It kind of gave us freedom to not try to do a 10 or 12 week study. It's like the Brad does a discipleship group for 12 to 15 months. Let's write something that they can do in nine to 12 months, you know, kind of batteries included. So. Did you ever consider like not writing your own or, or was the vision towards, man, we want to so tightly integrate this into our strategy. Uh, we just, we need to do it ourselves. That's why we did that. Yeah, we, we want it to sound like us, feel like us. If somebody goes through partnership and hears this thing, you know, about what a disciple is at Austin Ridge, and they go through our disciple-making materials, that it all lines up. So, because we look at, like, Greg Ogden's stuff, uh, basics, whatever that was called. Uh, we looked at some stuff that Watermark had. We looked at stuff that Village had, and, I mean, this is all great stuff, but we'd have to tweak it so much to feel like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just start from scratch. And it really was a, a neat uh, experience because at the end of the day, man, you probably saw the credits page at the end of that, Jeff, but there's, you know, 20 different writers that staff and volunteers. There's eight different editors, staff and volunteers. Uh, you know, so it really is a collective effort that, uh, you know, right now it's great. You know, three to five years from now, we'll probably go, well, that was a dumb idea. And we'll be on to something else because it's a church and we, we learn and grow and that sort of thing. So we're not telling people this is the Bible, if anything, but, you know, it's anything but that. You know, this is just a tool to come alongside God's word, to come alongside yeah. God's spirit at work in you, to come alongside the community that you, you need to be in. Uh, but as you're in community, in God's word, and as the spirit works in you, this is a tool to use in this season. Well, you know, and I love the thing that I've always loved about Austin Ridge is, is their ability to, to do these astronomical, these, these huge projects without even like blinking an eye. Just, okay, this is what we need to see infrastructure. Like I'm even just thinking back, I don't even know if you guys do it anymore, but time with God, there was this like daily devotional that was essentially volunteer produced. Uh, I think there was like one person who was an editor who was like part-time staff who put it together, but essentially it was volunteer and staff written for years like that, that, that went on. You, do you guys still do that? I'm just curious. I actually just pulled the plug on that uh, back in the spring. Yeah. yeah. And just, I mean, what, but what, what I loved about it was, yeah, Hey, let's, let's do this. And, and maybe it wasn't the best place to pour the resources into, but I love the church's vision towards, Hey, this is a great idea. That is a resource. Let, let's create it. You know, I look at I look at the the book that you guys have created. It's 350 pages. Like that's no small feat, even with 20 writers and 
putting that together, keeping everybody singular focused on this and, um, and, and generating that and getting it done. And this is what, I think I saw somewhere, this is like version three. Yeah, that you that's what I was gonna say. We, we, we didn't start off with a 350 page book in mind. Uh, what it started off as is a more of a typical, that's a bad word, but you know what I mean? More of a traditional kind of small group thing where here's the topic, here's some passages, what do you see? What does it mean? What do I do? Kind of stuff. And there was like five or six days of that for each topic. So the idea was somebody will do this in 15, 20 minutes per day in addition to their normal quiet time. Problem is uh, you're assuming a lot of the leader uh, you're actually going to get the right, get to the right place with nothing but a little explanatory note and some verses, you know, that that's a lot. That's a lot to ask. So uh, we fleshed it out a little bit more. And we fleshed it out one more time, and that's how we got to where we are now. So really, if you look through most of the weeks now, there's about four to six headings. So we still kind of kept those same basic headings from that original version. We just added a little more meat in there so that it kind of walks somebody through. Um, it doesn't give them all the answers, but it kind of walks them towards the answer. A little bit. You know, I'm not a numbers guy, and we talk, not, we talk a lot about how I don't like numbers, but this is just the numbers you've told me. You've got... 50 groups, three to five people. So bad math, 150 to 250 people going through this. When you look at discipleship and you're rolling out a new campaign where fall 2019, you're going to be pushing discipleship instead of a, hey, let's pull some people aside. Maybe this is more like beta underground, but you're making discipleship more of a public presence out in front of the people, getting them on board. Um, when you look at discipleship, is it hey, we're just going to see where this thing goes. Do you internally have goals or things that you want to drive to and say, okay, the goal is to get this many people in discipleship? As you've talked about discipleship growth in your church, like how do you guys treat that? Yeah, I mean, the kind of the soft goal is that I, I think it's reasonable to look for 100 to 150 groups this next year. Uh, and out of that, you know, a third to a half of those will probably uh, finish really well. A lot of those lead, uh, kind of leave the tracks a little bit. We'll have to get them back on. But you know, it's kind of those things of, you know, I won't, we won't really know if this is successful until we get down the road 35 years. Because right. if we don't see groups multiplying, uh, if we don't see groups ending in nine to 12 months, and then, you know, at least one of the four to six people, two of the four to six people going on to lead others, uh, whether it's in a D group or some sort of format, then, uh, then in my opinion, we haven't been successful. Uh, it, at least with the stated goal of disciples making disciples. Um, but it's really, you know, kind of asking two to three, four years if it's working or not, um, because it's just going to take time, you know? And um, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the unfortunate answer. You know, at the same time, it's you know, only the Holy Spirit can change a heart. Only the Holy Spirit can really guide us into truth, you know, mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit does what he's going to do, which I believe he will. Then the next step is, will people be obedient to what the Spirit's doing in their heart? We can't control that. So that's good. I've, I've talked with, with churches and, and actually, um, you know what? Long Hollow, Ray, I'm blanking on the guy's name, lead pastor. Uh, yeah. So I've listened to Robbie, Robbie Gallaty's podcast on this. And actually I credit him because he's the first guy that really put this on my radar. Um, you know, there, there's a, there's a, a tension between a, like a one-on-one -on -one discipleship, um, and then a, a one to multiple, um, one to three, one to five. I think you guys are three to five. You said Robbie actually leans towards in his podcast and we'll link it in the show notes. He leans towards a one to three model. Um, I just was wondering what life lessons have, have you learned as you've been developing this? Why have you landed on that three to five range? Have you experienced anything one way or the other? Uh, I, mean, I think a lot of this personality driven. I mean, personally, I'm more comfortable in a one-on-one. -on -one. I'd rather just get, you know, ro roll up our sleeves with, with one other guy and just get after it. Uh, I, I think there's a place for that. I think there's a place uh, for the kind of the four to six person group that's more, I think you get the accountability piece is different in each. I think the, just that formation piece is different in each. Um, I don't know that we... Uh, like right now, I, th I can think of three groups that are one-on-one, uh, that, you know, a particular individual wanted to lead, uh, just one other guy, because he had uh, just made a great relationship. He's already discipling this guy, and he just wanted to use this tool. I'm like, great, there's no rules, no rules against that kind of thing. Uh, right. You know, it's almost the the duplication ratio 
you know, if you have four to six people go through it, if one or two of those, you know, go on to do it again, you're just getting more people through the system, uh, practically speaking. Um, I think that's honestly why it's just a basic numbers thing. If we can get 300 people to go through it, maybe we get, you know, 75 to hundred of them to take a next step versus if we get 50 people to go through it, we get 10 of them to take a next step. So you've mentioned a couple of times, cause I, and I know discipleship and what I've seen from the outside. And by the way, what I've seen, I, I, I love, um, you mentioned equip, uh, a couple of times and, uh, and what equip, why don't you define what equip is, in context of, of Austin Ridge. Let's, let's park on that for a little bit. Yeah. So Joey Ryder, who's our life groups and equipment equipping pastor, uh, he kind of threw this idea out. It was probably a couple of years ago now. And what it started off as was uh, kind of event based uh, targeted to the things that we just don't cover in a Sunday morning, typically, you know, the felt need oriented things. Uh, you know, we're not going to do six weeks on marriage, money and finances like a lot of churches. Well, those are good. It's just not us. Uh, but we need, we need an environment to do that. Uh, you know, we realized that certain ministries like our care ministry was doing these great marriage classes or marriage events or parenting events, or things like that. And they'd have, you know, 60 people show up. Mm-hmm. That's great. Unless you're a church of 4,000 people and 60 people's a drop in the bucket of what would have come had they known about it. And so, uh, Joey kind of created this engine, uh, to come alongside environments or events like that. And like the first marriage event they did, they had like 300 people show up versus 60. Uh, so it was like, oh, wow, this works. So we did marriage, we did parenting, uh, we did an apologetics thing. We brought in Robbie's group. Uh, one of these guys from Houston came in, uh, did a couple of things. And each one of these, you know, we're having hundreds of people show up versus, you know, dozens. Uh, and so since that was working, um, now we're offering some classes. They, again, do the same thing. It's uh, It offers environments for things that uh, we don't, either covering messages or we still have another environment to do it. So I mentioned earlier, we have the kind of the knowing Jesus. So just basic intro to Christianity, one-on-one kind of stuff. Uh, I'm leading a class on how to study the Bible. And again, very intro oriented. Uh, we're going to have another one on how to share your faith. Uh, those are going to be Sunday mornings and cap them at two weeks. So that's where those are. So now we have like the one or two, you know, big event, you know, Sunday night type things. We have the two week Sunday morning classes. We're going to offer uh, starting in the fall, this Tuesday night, uh, longer format, uh, like four to six week classes where, you know, somebody comes off like a Sunday morning parenting class, but they really need more. Well, we're going to offer a six week that's more in depth. Uh, it's more kind of triage oriented for the families that really need that, you know, marriage, finance, uh, faith and science, those kind of things. So starting this fall, we'll have kind of three, that three pronged approach of you know, the, the events that are going to be a little more infrequent now because we have some class environments to do some of that. Right. Uh, events, the two week class and the four to six week class. And uh, again, they're not targeted to everybody. They're targeted at a subset by their very nature. But what we're finding is that subset is for a lot of those things, a lot larger than honestly, we, we wish it was. We wish that many people's marriages didn't need that kind of help, but they just do. Uh, and, uh, and that sort of thing. So offering that, we hope that um, those become really feeder systems because People get either a excited, they get you know some tools, or they get some help and some healing, and then they want to step into okay, well, where can I get back? Well, you know what, D groups or life group leadership or men's or women's, you know, those kind of things. So we hope that all these things kind of kind of feed each other. And again, ask me in two or three years if they are, and I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> That's cool. I like that just because you know Jeff. Every time I reflect back on the way that many of us were brought up, I feel like there's an aspect that the church is missing in the absence of Sunday school, and I feel like what you're doing there brings a lot of that back because, you know, folks sometimes just need some time to sit in a classroom setting to kind of digest some of the things that we're talking about. And a small group isn't always the best environment for that. Sometimes they just need that teacher kind of aspect to receive the kind of information that you're talking about. You know, some many churches just think of that in terms of like we just uh, got done talking in a past episode with somebody from Dave Ramsey with with Ken Schaefer from Dave Ramsey organization. You know, and that's one aspect of that. But in marriage and raising kids and so many different areas, I think folks need that kind of environment to just absorb the information. Even that's going to run out at some point. Some people are going to need even more than that. But you think about if a, a four to six week intensive can't sufficiently meet the needs, man, a small group leader, lay leader with an hour and a half each week and with, you know, a meal included, doesn't have time to dive into that, nor do they have the skill set. Right. So it allows them to play to their strengths, which is relational, 
You know, it allows a digger to play to its strengths, which is, you know, biblical, theological, and relational. Men's, women's groups, those sorts of things. So as opposed to one or two environments having to be everything to everybody, uh, hopefully we can just create more more opportunities. And again, the, the challenge is not to let each of these things try to do everything because that's the natural pull of everything. Well, it's like, man, you know what? If this marriage group just became a small group, it'd be all fixed. No, we already have those over here. They need to jump out of this you know, felt need based thing into this more general community where they're, you know, just going to be with people and not with right. a, a situation, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so we're, we're going to bump our heads into some stuff, but I, it's neat that we're in a season right now where we've got the freedom to kind of experiment with some of those things and see what works and then keep those things and kind of push off the stuff that doesn't work and then make those things that are working better. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I love how there's there's strategy that's intentionally in place for this. Working on your strengths, uh, a small group, a biblical community cannot be the catch-all for this because you don't have the opportunity to dive in into a, a smaller, more deeper relationship. The group leader may or may not be capable of that. Um, even getting into the nuances of of a divorce recovery, of of a of a single parenting, of a you know, the issues that'll come up with there and having the separate classes to, to hone in on that. Looking at what Austin Ridge has developed and the intentionality towards this growth department, this area that now they're saying, here's this option of groups, here's this option if you're looking for something deeper, here's this issue if you just need help uh, equipping or working through felt needs. Like it's, it's really starting to see, okay, there's a there's a path here that people can work through while on that path, you're not hindering the growth of that as well. Um, the last thing, and it's one of the things that, that I love that we heard from, um, from Jared Kirkwood is, is you don't want, you don't want your small group to become a, a therapy where a therapy session where you're continually stuck in a circle. We've all had these groups where they just continually move all around and they're, they're stuck because of a certain person that's going through a certain issue. And, and those issues are important to get solved. But as a result of it, you don't always have the opportunity to take the entire group forward because of the issues that are stuck with, with the individual person. So setting up a model like this that can dive into the felt need is so good. And so like, that's such a, um, an awesome option. Now I want to totally ask you about the church online implications of that and how you're utilizing this. Uh, but I know you, you guys aren't there yet with Austin Ridge. I love you anyway. Um, but what I do love that you're doing online with this is the idea of this podcast um, that, that you've set up where you're, you're high, you know what, instead of me like talking about it, Jeff, just tell us a little bit about how you're using uh uh, the roundtables, the podcasts, like what that looks like for your church. Well, the roundtable, uh, well, okay, so Equip, uh, they had a podcast already, and it was, it was creating follow-up resources for the events. So they already had the podcast channel established. The roundtable thing was a second idea um, that uh, Nathan Jennings, actually one of the guys in our communications department, video guy, kind of jack-of-all-trades, came up with. He's like, we need something where we can talk about the stuff that we don't talk about anywhere else like whether it's behind the scenes stuff or addressing a particular issue or, you know, theology one-on-one kind of stuff. He's like, would you guys be interested in doing that? And of course, Joey Ryder and I were both like, well, yeah, absolutely. So they got us working together on that. And what we've done is um, create, I think we did 20 episodes kind of season one, uh, which is way too many episodes, obviously, but <laughs> kind of got on a roll. So we just kept going with it. But what we did, we did some theology. We did some, you know, kind of the, kind of behind the scenes of, how ministries function, why they do what they do, kind of what they're going for. Talk to, you know, some different leaders from different campuses, try to involve some lay leaders. Uh, it just kind of experimented with, experimented with some different things. Um, and we're getting, you know, mixed, um, kind of mixed reviews on like, you know, format, so to speak. So for instance, we've learned that uh, we get far fewer views on online uh, videos, media, social media, than we get podcast listens. Uh, like we get, you know, 60 views, we'll get 300 listens. Okay, we're going to put our energies more into making sure we talk about, or, or we talk about these things in such a way that just the audio makes sense without having to watch the video. You know, it's little, little things like that that we're going to do for this next season. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been neat because it's given a great outlet for a lot of ministry leaders to talk about, um, you know, whether it's a particular issue that's important to them or a particular thing in their ministry that, uh, you know, unless you're on staff, you're never going to know some of this stuff. 
And so it's been kind of good to, to do some of that stuff. One byproduct of that is it created a, a kind of a collaborative uh, energy between not only me and Joey, but then other staff as well. So like the first one we did was me and our missions guy, Don Ellsworth, talking about, you know, missions and disciple making. And, you know, are they two sides of the same coin? Are they different coins? Just things like that, that, you know, to have that conversation, you got to have a conversation, right? Yeah. And that's what most church staffs don't have the, the, the luxury or the, the opportunity to sit down and do for a long enough time to really start peeling back some layers. And so that's given us an opportunity to do some of that, which is really leading to some neat conversations kind of in the hallway of, or around some other things. So it's been neat. That's cool. What, and and I, by the way, we're going to link to that, that podcast with, what, with you and Don. Uh, I love Don. I love, uh, I like you. I don't necessarily love you, but no, I, I love you. I understand. Uh, but and, and the the wrestling with that was cool. But the thing that I really like about this and, and audience is what I want to kind of focus on here, is is that the podcast gives your ministry leaders a voice in a realm that isn't necessarily utilized. Let's say well. Now all sorts of people will listen to a a sermon podcast, but transparently there's dozens of different places to listen to the same sermon podcast, everything from multiple services any given weekend at multiple campuses. There's probably a church online broadcast. There's probably a Facebook broadcast. There's probably something that's eventually uploaded on, on YouTube. And so like a lot of energy in the average church in America go into a technologically savvy average church in America goes towards launching that podcast for the sermon. Uh, but what we're seeing here is, is you're utilizing the podcast as an opportunity to highlight ministry opportunities and other things are happening to the church to pull people in and mm. creating it as a, as a shareable content, linking to it on, on Facebook. And all of a sudden now the people who are listening have ways to have shareable content that'll pull people into the ministry of your church, not just through Sunday services with that. And so you're trying to get somebody involved in a, in a group. There's a podcast on, um, parenting which i know is one that i that i've heard recently and so you've got somebody who's struggling with that and, and maybe it's a single mom that you want to share you share that resource uh, in an audio format that's a front door that gives the person sharing an opportunity to pull them into the church that gives the church an opportunity to receive somebody um in, into the ministry and so like i love the idea of of talking about the ministries and utilizing podcasts you know, put the podcast on a blog post, all of a sudden now you've got an easily web-based shareable format that's got podcast audio on it sure. that can pull people from the outside into specific areas of your church's ministry. So like when I saw that, Jeff, I got to tell you, and I got to, I got to, uh, I, I think I did. I, I texted him immediately. I was like, this is incredible. Well done. But uh, definitely want to see more from that. Well, man, this has been a, a great podcast. Like I, I just, I, I'm excited about seeing what, what God's doing at Austin Ridge and, and even this shift of discipleship that even within the past, um, you know, so many years, um, I'm not saying it happened because I left, but conveniently, I think I left. And then there was this shift that happened. Uh, but as a result, we're seeing um, more of this and more intentionality with that. So, man, this has been great. Ray, as we're landing the plane, any, any questions or thoughts here? Yeah, Jeff, I just love that you guys are treating discipleship more like art than science. You know, it seems like you guys are really just taking a look at this and saying, no, people have different pathways to get to discipleship and we're going to help them find their best path, but we're not going to tell them which path to take. We're going to help guide them along the way. In the grand scheme of creating a single path or creating multiple paths that will get people to the same destination, I, I, I think the one thing that Austin Ridge does well is they figured out how to create multiple paths that funnel people uh, eventually to the same destination. And so that's been really exciting to see that, that develop in, in recent years. Jeff, man, any, any closing thoughts as we're, we're wrapping up? No, man, I'm excited about what you guys are doing. I'm curious to see where the church online platform, uh, platforming, all those things, uh, kind of where it goes. You know, I'd love to have another conversation online or offline, um, you know, just about all that stuff. Because I'm, I'm sure that, you know, as we, you know, as we get into year two, year three, month three, who knows, uh, with just this whole D group idea, uh, our disciple making efforts, uh, there's going to be a, an itch for how else yeah. you know, and fill in the blank. And, um, it's good. Know, 
Yeah, so I'll, I'll just be curious to see where that goes. So I'm excited to be a part of uh, this with you guys. So Definitely. It's fun to still be in ministry together, even though you're in Florida, I'm still in Austin. Man, I, I, I love it. And uh, I've got a... I got to figure out a time when I'm flying back out to Austin to, uh, to stop by. Mm-hmm. I, there was, there was a business thing. I thought I was going to be out there all the time and, and, you know, it just didn't work out, but, uh, no, we're definitely, um, excited about what's happening at the Ridge. It's interesting. And then I'm going to, I'm going to put this bug in your ear for, for online. And then I'm going to say this, a lot of churches will look at church online as, Oh, this is somebody who's abandoning community. Uh, and so, uh, I'm an isolationist. Uh, I don't want to be around people. And church online is my opportunity to escape the world around me and just isolate myself and, and do church in, in, on a couch in my underwear. Um, and while that may be an option, and once again, you can't force people down any one given direction, um, I challenge churches to look at it not as the abandonment of community, but potentially discipling someone to the place that they birth a new community. Uh, and so it's kind of looking through it. Maybe it's looking through rose colored stained glass glasses. I don't know if that's the rose colored stained glass glasses. That's the right thing. Yeah. It's a song somewhere about that. Uh, or, or maybe, maybe it's just the reality of, Hey, this is what could be. This is the, the, the pipe dream down the road, but that's more of the challenge I think before us. And, and we've, blogged about it and talk about it, but the, the challenge before the church to do discipleship uh, online, because I mean, you and I, Jeff, we're in two different time zones. Uh, Ray and I live in the same city, but I'll be honest, I see Ray once a month in, in the physical space. And so, you know, even in that context, uh, it's learning how to utilize this, not as a replacement of community, but as an opportunity to empower and to create new communities where our people are that's the dream anyway so we i would love to offline a conversation about that and uh i'm sure we could probably make another podcast out of that too so hey man i wrote down disciple making without pants is all i wrote down from everything you just said nice somebody buy that dot com right now <laughs> disciple making without pants because you mentioned you know, sitting in your underwear doing discipleship i'm like hey that'll sell i might buy that and redirect <laughs> oh no God. he will he Just will for the joke. i think i think i will do that let's go ahead and do it in the show notes it's how confident <laughs> i am this has me too written all over it bro <laughs> dangerous stuff we're, we're charging into Woo! disciple that's awesome Man, that's why I miss Jeff more. All right. <laughs> so, hey, for uh, for Ray, for uh, for Jeff, hey, this has been Jeffrey with the Church Digital. It's been a great podcast. Looking forward to what? Hey, we've got Elevation coming up next. I'll go and plug that. Next podcast, we've got uh, Elevation. We've got Danny Danielle Hicks, who's the pastor of Watch Parties. That was that was her title, right? It was Watch Parties. Yeah. The only pastor in America who's got parties in her job title. Um, I got I'm a little envious of that, but we're going to be talking about how, uh, elevation uses church online to create, to cluster these people together, to create discipleship, physical discipleship groups scattered across the country. So it's a great, uh, conversation, especially tied to uh, church anywhere. So Jeff, thank you. Uh, Ray, thank you. Audience. Thank you very much. We'll catch you next time here at the church digital podcast. Y'all have a good day.